This podcast was produced in association with FunEmploymentRadio.com. Greetings, fellow nerds! Welcome to the Well-Adjusted Gamer Podcast! Yay! This is it! The premiere episode, number 000001. I am your host, Jason Chevron Chops. It's taken, I don't know, almost a year of plotting and lurking to get to this point, so thank you for taking the time to tune in. If you enjoy the show, please make sure to leave feedback on iTunes, my website, Facebook, SoundCloud, and wherever else it may pop up. Uh, Props or constructive criticism are greatly appreciated. Thank you. Today's episode features an opening chat with Mr. Greg Nibbler. He's a longtime podcaster, actor, and on-air talent, and we dig into his career, starting Fun Employment Radio with Sarah X. Dillon, and his rocky relationship with video games. After that, I got to talk with Sean and Garrett from Deadlock Interactive. They came down to talk about their awesome VR game that was actually created in a 48-hour game design jam. So, without further ado, grab an adult beverage in your human interface device of choice and prepare to cringe as I stumble through my life's ambitions. This is the Well-Adjusted Gamer Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the inaugural episode of the Well-Adjusted Gamer Podcast. This is Jason Chevron Chops. I'm joined to today with a special guest. According to his Wikipedia page, he's a podcaster, actor, rock star, Sasquatch hunter, metal detector, snack hoarder, tequila man, and all-around bad boy, his nibs himself, Greg Nibbler. Hello. Hello. I did not know all that's on my Wikipedia page. I really need to update that thing and take a look. There's yeah. some people there's some things that have been added over the years that uh I, I can't verify or confirm necessarily are true, but they probably are. Yes. Yeah. No, most definitely. <laughs> so Greg is, for those that are uninitiated into the ways of funemploymentradio.com, he is one of the founding fathers along with Sarah X. Dillon, mm-hmm. the founding mother. <laughs> Ew, that's, that's kind of creepy. <laughs> <laughs> the mother and father of this child, of this network. Um, but yeah, Fun Employment Radio, where do we begin? Oh, man. So we've been going for, as of now, I think we're coming up on our eighth year. Eighth anniversary is up in a few months of doing the show daily, five days a week. Um, we started off, from, well, we both came from commercial radio. Mm-hmm. And um, we we're both ended up on the same station, KUFO, part of the Rick Emerson show. We got laid off, as happens in radio of a course. lot. Uh, yeah. Everybody, <laughs> if you work in radio for any amount of time, you know you're going to get laid off eventually. Yes. Or just there'll be a format flip or something, which is what ours was. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe the station, their tagline when they got rid of us, because they got mad because we talked about books too much, was KUFO, <laughs> we got our balls back. So that's <laughs> that's what they put out as commercial a commercial radio station. KUFO, books are dumb. Yeah, that's pretty much what it was. <laughs> so we left that and we're like, you know, we really love talking. And to go from not doing that every day, like, well, why don't we try doing it on our own? And I had a studio at home, and uh, Sarah came over. We'd never really worked one-on-one, and mm-hmm. we tried, recorded a couple of uh, test episodes, 
and we actually enjoyed it. We, we yeah. worked pretty well together and threw it up as Fun Employment Radio <laughs> and just uh, just to see what would happen. And it, it took off. It took off like from the first yeah. week, the yeah. first episodes. And we just started doing it more and more and just loved it. Yeah. And we've been going ever since. Yeah, ever since absolutely. Then. Why stop? Yeah. Yeah. Man. So there's a little bit of carryover from probably everybody that was listening to you guys. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. We had some carryover. Uh, the Rick Emerson fans were were really loyal fans, which yeah. is awesome. And we're still friends with Rick to this day. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of carried over some of it. And then from there, because of the magic of the internet and iTunes, especially back then, there weren't a lot of podcasts. So we were right. consistently a top 10 comedy podcast. Man. And that that spread out yeah. like crazy, just yeah. getting fans from all over the world. And it was so much fun. How it's still awesome. so much fun. Yeah, right. And it's only getting bigger and, yep. and broader. Because, yep. I mean, all, all well, kind of winter-long we had the bingo nights going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, the Fun Employment Radio bingo nights, which is such a ridiculous <laughs> idea. Like, we came up that with that as a joke on the uh-huh. show one time. Like, oh, yeah, we should do, like, a, a bingo night, and we'll be bingo callers. And then we had all these emails come in, like, yes, do that. Mm-hmm. Do a bingo night. And so we did it, and it's crazy how much people love bingo, yes. of all things. Yes. So, yeah, we do those. We have our <laughs> listener parties, and it's always a blast having, having the live events like that where right. you get to actually – like see somebody because you do a podcast or any kind of recording, you know, and as you know, it's just yeah. you're sitting in a room. You have uh-huh. no idea who's going to hear it. Right. You don't know what their take on it is. You're until... lucky if there's actually another person across from you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, not... it's just you. Yeah. You're like, just okay, talking to Skype or yourself. Uh... I'll put this out to the world and expose <laughs> this show and, yeah. and, you know, see what happens. Uh... And so that's why it's fun. Like those live events just to actually put faces to names yes. and like, oh, you're so-and-so 752 who writes in. Like, mm-hmm. you're an actual person. This is right. weird. Yeah. And you're and a celebrity to me. It's but. super, like, inspiring, too, because, I mean, like you said, seeing everybody, meeting everybody, but also the volume yeah. of people. Like, the, consistently, everything that you've done that I've come along to, like, oh, my God. It's, it's pretty cool. Yes. It's it's inspiring beyond Thank you. beyond anything I've done. So <laughs> thanks for thanks for allowing me to be a part of it now. I mean yeah. that's that's kind of the whole deal is this podcast is it'll, it'll be in my intro that it's produced in association with funemploymentradio.com. Yes, and that's so, so cool. Like that's one of the things when we started because we had to learn a lot of how to do podcasting and mm-hmm. especially back then in a lot of podcast education. Yeah. Well, inventing it. Know. I mean, what the hell? Yeah. I mean, there was Mark Marin, there was Adam Carolla, mm-hmm. Keith and the Girl, and that's really like the only three that we really knew about. I don't even know if Nerdist was very far along at that point. Right, yeah. And, uh, and so you just kind of have to piece it together and figure out, okay, A, how do you make one work? And then B, how do you, if you're going to do this for a living, how the hell do you make money at right? it? You how, know, yeah, how do you make it a living? Yeah, and that's a lot of trial and error. Yeah. A lot of trial and yeah. error. But then we, um, you know, once we got going, we're like, we have this great studio now mm-hmm. in in Southeast Portland. We're like, we want to share this with other people who are podcasting. Like, it should be a, a family yeah. of podcasts, you yeah. know, helping each other. Yeah. And, uh, and so we started this network. And that's why it's so awesome that now you're a part of it, Hell too. Yeah. We've got some great shows on it. It's just, it's always so much fun. Right. No, and a, a wide variety of stuff, too. Mm-hmm. This is not a one-trick pony at all because we've got the your main podcast. You've got... Um, Guys and Balls, it's been around for They've been a around long time. for a while. Yep, sports podcast, yep. Guys and Dolls, Guys and Balls. Guys and Balls. Um, uh, Rip City Bad Boys. Rip City Bad Boys, which is our buddies Tristan and Keelan, mm-hmm. Geek in the City Geek Radio. In the city, yep. Which Geek in the City, they were a podcast before we were. So they've been around oh, wow. longer than Fun Employment Radio. Man. Yeah, so credit to Geek in the City. They, right. are, they are awesome. Yeah. Uh, we love those guys. And, uh, and yeah, there's just so many different things. Eat Food Already, which mm-hmm. is a... 
ironically, they don't talk about food. Nope. They actually talk about, <laughs> about hip hop. Right. So, um, just so many different shows. Portland at the Movies is a new one. Like, yeah, I'm not going to list them all. I'm oh. sure I'm forgetting somebody, but yeah. Portland at the Movies is a newer one also where they talk about movies that were filmed in Portland, mm-hmm. usually really bad movies. Right. And kind of dissect them. So, yeah, it's just a wide variety of things all over the board. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's really, really fun and yeah. entertaining. Fighting the good fight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for me, it, it, like, podcasting isn't, it's, it's not even the future anymore. It's the present. It's yeah. now. Yeah. There, there's no denying that the, the radio radio isn't dead it still has its place but it is not a, a destination it's yep. it's more of a a starting point a, a leapfrog or lily pad to like kind of jump to and hop away from but it I, few and far between the people that actually make a career out of it oh and, yeah and consistently I mean all the people that we knew that we worked with in radio there's maybe I could name one or two that are still in it over yeah. all the years I was in radio like Ugh. that's about it that are still left yeah. uh doing it and you know they just started consolidating things a lot of times Secret Radio is a lot of times when you think that's your local DJ or person, he's probably in five markets or she's in oh, yeah. you know, ten different markets, Jeez. and they just either change up their liners to say like, "Hey Portland, how is it?" Yeah, blah, blah, right. blah. Or, Hello <laughs> Cleveland, how yeah. are you? Doing? You know, and and change it up. So it's just there's there's just not that much there. Yeah, you know. Well, and too like I saw it back in my home market, like everything just shrunk over the mm-hmm. years. It went from they had. Um, they had Mark and Brian early on, local, yep. which was not local. Like you said, that was a syndicated show. So. Right, but they were, yeah, Mark but, and Brian. I mean, they're, they're staples for so many right. years. And everybody knew who they were. Everybody listened to them. Well, then they dropped them and brought in Bob and Tom, which was like culture shock for everybody. It's like, holy shit, who are these guys yeah. now? Like, who the hell do they think they are? Like, mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of that. Well, that kind of kept going, but the the local, local shows – got smaller and smaller. Like there was one called like the front row, I think that had three or four people and it was the big four hour block, like every day on the rock station or two to four hour block. Well, all of a sudden that goes away and now you've got like two guys that are just in between music anymore Mm -hmm. and that's it. It's like, you're literally just a a straight up DJ at that point with extended breaks between songs, but still like yeah, it's so depressing. (laughs) That's, that's what happened with the Rick Emerson show, Mm -hmm. which people in Portland, uh, I think a lot of people still remember the Rick Emerson show. It was a fantastic show. Yeah. You know, it catered to a lot of different audiences, but definitely kind of the geekier side of things, which is great. It was nice to have that on, you know, eventually the rock station that it was on. So oh, it was yeah. fun. But then the higher ups started saying, oh, no, now you need to play more songs and more songs and more songs oh, to where yeah. the talk breaks were like two and a half minutes long. You know, you can't really get into anything on a mm-hmm. talk show in two and a half minutes. No. So we, I mean, behind the scenes, we, kind of work the system a little bit because yeah. you're supposed to play I think it was like 12 songs an hour what we would do is um, I would edit the songs <laughs> so I, I I mean the song would still be there but uh-huh. maybe there's a few extra choruses uh, of yeah. uh, Aerosmith that don't need to be in there uh-huh. so I'd cut them out to where I'd turn these songs into like minute and a half long <laughs> you know intro chorus outro boom yep. down, there's your yeah. song you get the idea yeah and you put that in there they only read the logs yep. so I mean technically we played the songs right. and uh you know, we still got all of a sudden 20 minutes more of talk time. Right. Well, yeah. and there's nothing criminal about it because no. if you listen to any classic rock station. Nobody complained. Right. Nobody well, complained. Nobody complains. But yeah. when's the last time you heard the entire song of Freebird, like the right. 11 times it comes on a day? Like, yeah. No, it doesn't happen. So. Yeah. It just doesn't. <laughs> eh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, you hear the same things, though, from like Corolla. It's mm-hmm. a, especially once the like corporate side starts getting in and elbowing yeah. in on everything that uh, we need. 
less less nerdy guys, smart guys. No, no, no. More strippers. Mm-hmm. Get yep. more strippers in here, and like, yep. everybody's got to be Howard Stern. And- exactly. That's we actually replaced Adam Carolla here in Portland. Mm-hmm. I mean, not replaced him when he was let go from CBS. We right. were the ones that come in. Which it was funny. A lot of local people for some reason thought Adam Carolla lived in Portland, and <laughs> we took his job. Oh it's like, no, we have nothing to do with this. That's CBS Radio. <laughs> right. Dude. Rick Emerson show didn't fire Adam Carolla. Like we have to take his spot now. Right. And uh, so we get these complaints. Like, you guys suck. Bring Adam back. Like, dude, we, you think I make that decision? Yeah. I'm answering the phone calls here in Portland. No. That's that's the way it works. I, <laughs> like, yeah, I came I in. I, power. I arm wrestled him. Yeah. I won fair and square. <laughs> yeah. He's out. <laughs> I decided Adam Carolla didn't belong on the airwaves that's here. damn right. Greg uh, Nibbler is king of the hill. Yeah, Like right? or not. <laughs> yeah, but then that and then we were replaced by shock jocks. That's who, that's who came in. Yeah. Yep. It, it's, it's such a weird thing because I swear to God, like Howard Stern isn't Howard Stern. Yeah. When when corporate starts saying like this is the direction we want to go, it's like where where do you even hear this? Where where mm-hmm. have you seen this be successful? Yeah, like that's the kind of shit he would do as a joke, like as a bit. Like mm-hmm. that's not the structure of the show. No, the structure of the show is crazy shit all the time. Mm-hmm. Like let's get the wackiest people we can find, not just strippers, not just yep. this. Like yeah, those were high rated episodes. It doesn't mean that's yeah. everything because yeah yeah we see that too. Like I'm. My last podcast, I've I've done a couple now. Like I was on a video game podcast co-hosting, and then had like a sideline one with one of those guys, and the just like the peaks and valleys of downloads and views and listens, it's bizarre. Mm-hmm. Like there's like no what people latch on to. And yeah, they don't. Yeah, it's like weird episodes. Like and and crazy things where you could have just like a a weird kind of like I don't know tangential connection to something like we had like a there's an episode we talked about david bowie when he had passed yeah the name of the episode was the man who won the world which is it's a misquote right it's just like a little like play on words type of thing that was one of the highest listened episodes <laughs> and it's like that was two two to five minutes of conversation on the whole thing it's like <laughs> well i don't understand like what what works and yeah that's where you get into that you could get into that trap of like the the fake headline type of thing. Yeah, and and it is it is hard because you're trying to get downloads. You mm-hmm. know, you want to get downloads of it. You want people to hear your show. Right. But if you start analyzing it too much, then I feel like you can go way too far to that other side where it's just a numbers game and Ugh. it's like, okay, what content can I say exactly here or how can mm-hmm. I title this just to get people to listen? And then if they listen and the, and the show sucks, it's really not helping you out in the end. No. So, yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a tough balance <clears throat> on there. Well, that's that's a thing too. There's with the podcasts I listen to regularly, like Adam Carolla, I used to listen to a lot. And now Bill Burr is one that I, mm-hmm. I have to listen to. Like he's out twice a week. And the difference between the two, like they're both comedians. Mm-hmm. One's built it into a business. The other one does it as like kind of my, my take on the true nature of podcast as a promoting tool. Yeah. Like you listen to my podcast, that gets you some advertisers, but it also gets you my tour dates and it tells you where I'm going to be and what I'm doing and all yep. that kind of background stuff. That, I think, gets more mileage mm-hmm. than just trying to make money off of it like, yeah. outright. It, it is. It's those live events. That's that's what starts paying off in the long run from mm-hmm. what I've seen. But with Corolla, like, all the reads are to the letter. They're not pre-produced. They're still live. But yeah. it's everything down to, the to like, basically TV or radio, radio ready. Bill Burr gets – the the copy and just reads it word for word so he's got in there like talk about a time that you use this product to blah 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 
I've never used it. What, what the <laughs> hell do you want me to say? Like, ah, uh, it's it's golden because it's that's reality, and yeah, that's what I love real. to hear and yeah. see. Like, and for anybody, like, he's lost a lot of sponsors <laughs> like over the years. You see him like come and go because of that that kind of attitude, that <laughs> dismissal. But oh my god, it's it's the best. Then it's real. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's real. And yeah, call them on their bullshit. They should mm-hmm. be better. Mm-hmm. Like, this is your job. You're supposed to write good copy that gets people yeah. interested. It's not. It yeah. reads like the, the label on a freaking bottle of shampoo. Like, this is garbage. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine to call that stuff out, too. I mean, yeah. they're still getting a read. They're still, right. exactly. still promoting their product. Yeah. In a way. Know? But yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a thing, too, that like, I hate dishonesty. I hate, mm-hmm. like, another example from Corolla was he would literally like talk shit about gamers he would say like i not like completely putting him down but just dismissing it saying like i don't get it it's dumb like why would you pay to to build like a little racing seat why don't you just go drive a real car it's like well guy because we're not all millionaires and we can't purchase five real race cars like paul newman like guy (laughs) calm down (laughs) We don't all live in your world. Right, exactly. We're yeah. not all billionaires in, in the Hollywood Hills. <laughs> within Just go get yourself a helicopter. Right, yeah. exactly. But within months, he's shilling Forza Motorsport. Like, really? Yeah. Like, do you have no credibility? Like, just that, that kind of stuff really does bug me. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing you never hear with Bill Burr. He has, like, loot crate on there. He's like... I don't know what this is. You nerds like it, so here we go. Like, <laughs> it's like good. Please, That's awesome. like, yeah, it's like we, we get it. We're not stupid. Uh-huh. We know how sponsorships work. We know yeah. that you don't actually use loot crate. We know that you don't actually wear me undies, but right. it's cool. Yeah, just run with just it. Be honest. Yeah. So I mean, ugh. but then too, that that brings up the the whole YouTube thing, mm-hmm. where they're getting really shady, and I I have my own theory about it, but they're um. If you if your content is questionable in any of these just stupid ways, like they said, if it's like something that's like a basically like if it's too hot a topic or if there's profanity, you can't monetize it. Yeah, which is ridiculous. But they keep the ads on it and yep. keep the money. Yep. They just don't give it to you. Yeah. So obviously this is a play for the shareholders. Mm-hmm. Our profits are down. We need to increase them. We're not getting more of anything. So let's just take more of the money that we were giving to our producers, basically. Like, yeah. Crooked is all hell. Yeah. It's a, it, I mean, unfortunately, you have to play the game with some of it. I mean, if you want, like, if that's depending, what you're doing, yeah, yeah, what your depending. goals are. But yeah, it's, it is shady. It is. And that's, that's, the, that's the bottom line. It's like, how do you, how do you monetize creative content? And mm-hmm. it's, it's always, this dicey area. Oh yeah. Where you have to dance, you know, dance with the devil or whatever right. a little bit, but you can't betray that honesty, like yeah. the honest approach. You like, have to find that balance mm-hmm. somewhere in there. Yeah. And a lot of it comes down to time too, because I hate when the the podcast is front loaded with like ten minutes of ads. Yeah. Nope. You gotta balance that out. People don't want to I mean, that's the thing with radio. One of the uh, you know, not to go on too much about radio, but mm-hmm. one of the big things there is, you know, who listens to the five minutes of radio ads? Like Nobody. no, you switch the channel. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you you bail out. Yep. Just like with us for our ads for Fun Employment Radio, we we've always found either we make like something really goofy pre produced ad, like mm-hmm. a you know, wrestling ad that we right. did for McKay's books. <laughs> like McKay's books. Hell yeah. Um or uh or we just incorporate it into the conversation. And yeah. we we genuinely only work with sponsors that we like their product or yes, that know, I've seen. Yeah. Absolutely. So we have to have met them or know right. about the product and, and use it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, 
yeah, that's, that's kind of how, how we have to do it. I mean, that, that whole conversation, it fits in with kind of the objective of this podcast. It's getting people kind of the information and the experience that everybody else has gone through with podcasting in this case, but also mm-hmm. with game design. Like that's yeah. the broader goal you know, moving forward. But it's it's kind of like, what did you go through person that's already doing it mm-hmm. versus like, hey, group of people that have never done it or just dabbling. Like, what did you do? How do you think? No, let's get the experienced opinion and everything, yeah. like the stories and successes and failures. That's 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 the biggest thing for me. And <laughs> it's a funny fucking word for me. <laughs> that that comes up so much now. That was something Bill Bird like twisted in my mind. That's that's a big thing with the millennials is like in reality TV, everything on the Kardashian starts. For me, I feel that like Oh yeah. <laughs> so now every time I say it, it breaks me. Like, uh, now I I'm gonna th- make sure I think about it. Yeah. Let's <laughs> be self conscious about it now. Right. Well and the other one for me was um For me. St- yeah, and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm my... probably saying stuff like that. <laughs> yes. Uh, so damn. on that last podcast that I did with the other guy, Chops and the Dude, he would say it unknowingly like a dozen times in an episode in yeah. like an hour of recording so for for the longest time at the end i would go back and snip all of them out and he got up to like 24 in one episode so every episode ended with and stuff like that 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 it was it was awesome it was the best like run-on joke and he didn't even catch on to it for a little while because you have to listen all the way through the episode, all the way into like the outro music to actually to hear catch it. it. Yes. <laughs> so when he finally caught on to it, he's like, "Dude, what the hell? Oh my god, I didn't know I was saying it that much. Like, what did you tell me? Like, that's the joke. Because it's an inside joke yes. now for all the listeners. Yeah. Uh, and then there's like, I kept hearing it after that because it's that thing. Once you hear it, you mm-hmm. never not hear it. But oh yeah, kept coming up on like everything, every podcast I'd listen to, every TV show I'd watch. So. I went through and recorded a bunch of those, and there's one with you. Oh boy! <laughs> and I'm like, a couple like TV clips and Adam Carolla, like everybody was saying it. I was like, <laughs> oh my god! So that's at the end of an episode out there too. It was the best. Like, so don't worry, oh, it's not funny. just you. If you feel like you're the only one doing it, or <laughs> it's a tick, no, it's everybody. We all do it. It's the worst. Uh, but yeah, like I said, that this this fits in with the goal um, for yourself. You are a shame gamer, as as yeah. I've come to find out from listening yeah. to your podcast. That it, it's funny because I love that you feel so strongly about it because the, that's gaming life. Like, that's, yeah. <laughs> welcome aboard. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I I love video games. Let me just say this: I love video games, mm-hmm. but I don't <clears throat> play very many video games. Right? Um, you know, I played them all as a kid. Growing mm-hmm. up, we did Atari 2600. There you go. You know, all through that, River Raid, still the best video game for Atari 2600. Damn right. Um, and then <laughs> uh, went from there, got the the original Nintendo, mm-hmm. and, you know, played everything that yeah. was available. Like, everything we could get our hands on, me and oh, my brother. Yeah. You know, there was a game place <laughs> in town. We would trade out games, just mm-hmm. get it all. And I still have that original Nintendo. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Mostly works. Yeah. Mostly works. You still have to blow in the cartridge uh-huh. a little bit. And, whether that works or not, I have no idea, but I do right. it anyway. Uh, so, and then from there, uh, you know, I went into like college. I played like the original PlayStation, had a mm-hmm. buddy who had one of those, but I've consistently had buddies who have systems. Yeah. You know, and I'll play on those. If I had a roommate that had a system, mm-hmm. I'll play on that. But I found that I get so into them that oh, at yeah. one point I finally just cut myself off. I'm like, yeah, nope. 
I made this up in my head. I'm like, I'm not going to play video games. I have too many things to do. Yeah. Um, you know, self-employed, there's always something you have to do. And I'm mm-hmm. like, no, if I play this video game, I can't do that. And so I just built up this stigma in my mind, not against them because mm-hmm. I love them, but a stigma against me playing them. Yeah, you, you built up the, the sense of responsibility. Because yeah. like you said, being self-employed, it's not that you can't or shouldn't, but – You've got better things to do. You've got yeah. hustle that yeah. should take priority. There's always things with my time that I should right. be doing. Yes. You know, but over the last couple of years, I've been starting to dabble back, back into, into it. it. Yeah. I've been creeping back into it. Yes. I've got a PlayStation 3 at home, so it's an older uh-huh. system. But um, I've decided, you know, I've, I've been starting to carve out a little more and more time. Mm-hmm. And I have to be careful with myself because yeah. I'll stay up all night. I'll oh, play yeah. a video game all yeah. night long yeah. and then still have to wake up in the morning, you know. Mm-hmm. Go work. So I have to, mm-hmm. I have to monitor my time. It's like crack. Yeah. Well, maybe not like crack. I don't hmm. think you can do a little bit of crack. <laughs> right. It's yeah. probably a bad idea. Any amount of crack, yeah. um, but it's <laughs> like any other kind of thing where moderation. Moderation, moderation is yep. good. That's, don't smoke crack, kids. No. That's not it. But play don't, video games. That's don't, okay. Don't drink drugs. Yeah, exactly. Stay on milk <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> that's that's the new joke. It's that Rick and Morty ad for Alien. Covenant. Oh yeah. Was, that's the best. If you haven't seen it, get out there. Definitely look that one up on YouTube. <laughs> but um, with that, like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with you. Like, yeah. it's it's and and you get that. But it's one of the hardest things as an adult gamer is the the playtime versus lifetime. Because mm-hmm. I mean, especially like once you like I'm married, so it's like figuring out how to make that dynamic work. Like, right, I've got. I can set up my stuff. I have my racing seat and everything back in like a a second bedroom with my other studio stuff. If I'm in there playing on that, I'm gone. I may as well not even be in the house. Like, what's the point? Yeah. So I found like the middle ground of I'll set up an LCD next to our our big screen or whatever. So at least I'm in the room. And then I (laughs) I got the the PS Vita because that one streams PS4 and some PS3 games too. But as long as I have something – because – Maybe I don't want to watch Twilight for the forty fifth time. Oh god! Like yeah, that sounds horrible. Yeah. <laughs> but, so I mean, there's 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 a balance that you have to strike with mm-hmm. with your life. And when I was working full time, it really didn't matter because I mean that's just take every free minute you can get. But it really did like corner it to where you have such limited free time that you have to basically like barter. For mm-hmm. what's going to get it, like what's yep. going to get me more satisfaction, what's going to help me in yeah. life versus you know just the the short term, but totally, it is it's an it's kind of a, a great problem to have, especially like you you're digging into these back catalogs and mm-hmm. friend, I will be your pusher, like <laughs> <laughs> please do. I, I'm actually I'm trying to figure out what other games to play because it is yeah. kind of fun now because a the PS3 games are super cheap, uh-huh. so I can get them for very, very low price. Yeah, and it's all these games that I'd heard people talk about, and it's older now. Like mm-hmm. I want to play the newer ones, but it's kind of nice going back and playing these, these games that I never touched. Yeah, like no. I never played them. Absolutely, and they're, they're not super time consuming depending on which one you go with. Like I've been, you know, Assassin's Creed. Uh, what is it? Black Black Flag. Black Flag. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love that game. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, it's not the greatest game in the world ever. <laughs> oh, that you one know. really pissed me off. There's there's a lot of issues with it, <laughs> right. but I can sit down and play it. And like, oh, okay, I'm gonna go uh, raid this town right now, yeah. or you know, yes, I'm gonna go attack that ship. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's fun. I can do that. I Burn don't have hour. to do a mission if I don't want to. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I you know, blow off some steam. Yeah, sinking ships. Yeah, for an exactly. Hour. That's that's like 
Grand Theft Auto was always that for me. Yeah. That yeah, series yeah. is incredible for that. Just getting in and go cause some mayhem or mm-hmm. do a couple missions and now hop online, go crazy with some other crazy assholes like from across the mm-hmm. country and the world. Yeah, I did play that for a little about 10 years ago. I had a uh, roommate who had that and mm-hmm. I started to get really into it. Yeah. Like I was doing it from the beginning. And I came home one day. I'm like, all right, I'm going to sit down and play Grand Theft Auto. And I got on there, and my character was gigantic because what he had done when I was gone is he just he spent like two hours just like yes. feeding the guy yes. to where it was a waste of waste of space. And I'm like, I don't have time to go through Damn and like it. re-exercise. Yeah, I gotta go guy. work out. Like, just, uh, yeah, I yeah. was so mad. That was, that was San Andreas. That was oh, one of the best. Like, just not even like tied to the main line of the game at all. But the crazy way that that tied into everything, like the mechanics of it, like uh-huh. if you ran like in between stuff instead of just jumping from car to car, yeah, you would lose weight, yeah, and you would lose muscle though too. So if you wanted like your guy to be buff, you'd have to go to the gym and lift weights and do shit. Yeah, <laughs> like it was crazy. And then yeah, if you go to the cluck and bell too much, yep, and that's all he did, just fast. like cluck and bell, cluck and bell, cluck and bell. Yeah, <laughs> it was the best. I, it's it's funny that like they've had so many things like that in the series that they. They pick up and they just leave. Yeah. Because that hasn't come back now in two continuous games. Like, really? It's, yeah, it's weird. But it was. That was a hilarious thing. And the other one that was funny with that is once he did get fat, his voice would change. Oh, It would really? get lower. So he, instead <laughs> of talking like normal, would be like, hey, do, do, do. Like, <laughs> it was oh, awesome. It's like a joke inside a joke, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, like, I've, I've wasted a disgusting amount of time and money in my life on video games. It, yeah. The second you start to like calculate and tabulate it all, yeah, just ugh, you feel so gross. Like, but at the same time, you know, there's it really is like, and that's what that's what I was feeling about myself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, okay, I've spent so much time on this. Like, I I didn't get my accounting done. You right, know, it's not nothing oh. too bad. Yeah, I'll, I'll get that stuff done. But mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, there's different things I could do with that time. Yeah. However, it is so relaxing. Like, I mm-hmm. feel if it's a good game. I feel better after playing it. If yeah. it's a game I get frustrated with, I feel worse. That's different. Is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was part of my problem too. I get, I'd get pissed off. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, if I'm getting ready to throw the controller, yeah. Especially for me, that was uh, FIFA. Playing. Oh no! I had a buddy who was really good at it, <laughs> oh, and I wasn't. No, that's the and worst. you know every now and then I'd beat him, but <clears throat> he'd run up, you know, ten to zero and just sit there smugly smiling. Oh man, this sucks for you. Yeah, that's... I would get. So so pissed at that. that. That's when you give him the controller with the, the iffy button that mm-hmm. only works like half the time. Like, I did do that. Yes. yes. <laughs> yep. That's yeah. It. I'm like, once I pick it up and I start thinking about th- throwing it at something, I'm like, okay, A, I'm not going to do that. That costs too mm-hmm. much money to replace. But I'm like, maybe I need to set it down. Yeah. Maybe it's time to set it down for a few. That was, that was one of the last ones for me. I It was Gran Turismo 6 and... This was in the transition between PS3 and PS4. Mm-hmm. Gran Turismo 6 was the only game I would fire up the PS3 for. And they had, like, weekly challenges. So I'd get in there, burn through them real quick, and then basically retire it again until the next week. But one of the challenges, they had, like, drift trials. Well, they really sucked with my steering wheel and pedal setup for whatever reason. So I switched back to the controller trying to do that. I just got so super pissed this one day. And I think it's it's a cumulative thing where mm-hmm. it's all of your life stress yeah. gets focused into this little thing. Into in your a hands. game, yeah. And yes. And yeah. got so freaking pissed off that I did. I winged the controller across the room. <laughs> well, it ended up hitting a metal stool and exploded. Oh. So, 
And then you feel twice as bad. Yes. Like, oh, what have I done? So like, there's like the shame of that. Uh-huh. And yeah, like hiding it in the garbage so my wife didn't see, like, because she would talk shit. Like, oh, yeah. It was ridiculous. What happened to the other controller? <laughs> I don't know. Mm. Now, the only one we have left is like a janky one that, like, it's probably not even good for playing games anymore. So it's a good thing the PS3 is only for Netflix. So that's fine. But PS4. Everything with that has been mechanical. I have not yeah. rage broken anything. I, but yeah, I, I split another, I think like an Xbox controller in my hands one time too, <laughs> playing Halo like 2. Snapping it like multiplayer. Bo Jackson snapping yes. that over his knee. Like. Yes. Like it, it can get bad, but <laughs> I love kind of like, I don't know, people judge heavily. Like if, if somebody else is in the room when you're doing that shit, they're mm-hmm. like, uh, what's going on? <laughs> Mad bro. Yeah. Right. But I look at the, at this other way, like, what about everybody that watches football and freaks out? Yeah. Like, at least I have influence on what I'm doing. Like, I can yeah. kind of control this situation. You're screaming at the TV. You yeah. have no attachment to anything. Like, you can't pick up the phone, call Jerry Jones and tell him, pull that son of a bitch out. Like, yep. no. <laughs> yeah. So, and very true. So, like beyond calling the kettle black, like that's everybody's got their thing. Right. You know, that's, that's the thing to realize with all of it is everybody's got their hang up. Everybody watches freaking Gilmore girls, like all 18 seasons of it or or whatever you're. Yeah. Right. Everybody has a thing. Right. You know, everybody's got to have their thing. Yeah. So just, just don't judge. Yeah. That's, that's the bottom line with that. I just judge myself. Exactly. That's all I do. But that's, that's your job as, as a human adult, Mm -hmm. like, (laughs) and as a, a self-employed, like, I mean, that's, that's all of it. Like it's, it's the freelance lifestyle and you do, you have to be responsible, but I mean, it is, it's, it's a fine line, a balance Mm -hmm. that definitely you have to maintain. And it's, it's the kind of the joy of finding that too. And Having a game that gets you that satisfaction that you mm-hmm. can check in, check out, and keep going with your life. That's that's fantastic. It's a great feeling. Like yeah. nothing nothing as a gamer feels better than that. I mean, maybe winning like a crazy match in Battlefield or something, but Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now um the the last couple of things in that vein, Shadow of Mordor has been yes. your jam for a while. It w- yes. We've got Shadow of War coming out now. Yes. I have so. seen those. those <laughs> I have watched the trailer too many times. Uh-huh. I'm ashamed to admit how many times I've watched it. Dig it. Um, yeah. I am excited about that. But it's on a PS4. See, and that's the thing. That's... For me to take that next step to where mm-hmm. I buy my own console, because um, the, the PS3 was gifted to me just because he got a PS4. He's like, I'm not using this anymore. Here you yeah. go. So I'm de- I'm – Debating maybe later this year to get a actually get a PS4. I was gonna say I um, want to play Far Cry Primal, uh, Far Cry Primal or whatever it yeah, is. Primal yeah. Fear. Primal. Just Primal. Yep. Yeah, that one looks amazing yeah. to me. Far Cry Four is my favorite video game. Yeah, I, I love that game. Man, I I can play it over and over. I think I spent too much time in the one right before that, and like, yeah, because that was the one that had um the expansion, the Blood Dragon one. <laughs> the one right. It. Oh God. Talking about going back and playing older stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You need to play Blood I Dragon. Play it. It's okay. a standalone. You got to be able to get that for like nothing now. Because yeah. it was like a downloadable, if you could find it on disc. I'm not sure if they did that. But it's in the Far Cry engine, and it's Michael Bean. Okay. Is the voice of the main character, and it is as 80s as 80s can get. <laughs> like, it's got the crazy, like, doo 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 soundtrack. Yes, I like, love that. Neon shit everywhere. Like, it's insane. And, oh, 
like being an, an 80s child, like you yeah. will get nostalgia just oozing out of you. Like, it's okay. insane. Now I want to so, play that. Check out Blood Dragon. Okay. Also, if you jump and pull the trigger on the PS4 sooner than later, Horizon Zero Dawn. Okay. You have to look into that one. What, what is it? It's basically future Earth, post-apocalyptic. You got me on those two right? things. Robots. Okay. Run wild in the forms of giant oh, animals. I know what you're talking about. Okay, yeah. I forgot the name of it. Yes. yes. And everybody's tell by my voice like, how excited yes. I am. Yes. Yeah, I was watching. <laughs> I've watched a bunch of the trailers for that one, too. That game looks amazing. It is. Yeah. It's everything and more. Like, that is, that's a historic game. Okay. Must play. Like like I said, if you pull the trigger before Something Shadow like of War that, drops, that's a game that you have to check in on. Like that, Shadow of War and uh, Far Cry, those, mm-hmm. that's really making me want to get it. Yes. But see, then I'm dangerously close to like, okay, if I get that, I'm going to stay up all all night. Like I did that with uh, God, God of War or Gods of War? God of War, yeah. God of War. See, and this is, I intentionally try to keep myself <laughs> away from knowing too much. Um, but I played God of War 3 Mm-hmm. Like, uh, my buddy Kenny was God. was going to Costa Rica for like work for a few months. Uh-huh. So he's like, "Hey, here's my giant uh, television <laughs> and my uh, PlayStation." He's like, "Will you just uh, watch this for me for yeah for five months?" It's like, "Yes." He's like, "Oh, I here's a big stack of games. To. Like, have fun." Yeah, right. The first night, I set it up in my bedroom, which was a bad idea, and I put in God of War, God of War three, and I'm just like, "Oh my gosh, this is amazing! I love yeah. this! I love this!" I oh. play probably. I don't know, till like three or four in the morning, probably mm-hmm. past that maybe. Oh, yeah. Had to get up at six thirty. Oh no. Yeah. Oh. And by the time I put it down, I'm like, oh, this is why this, I stopped uh, playing. This is why I have no self control. This was a mistake. I have no self control. <laughs> uh I remember the days like as a kid, you would rent a game, play it all night, and then wake up early before school just yep. to get that extra like 20 30 minutes on mm-hmm. it like, and then you're just staring at the clock just pissed like yeah. oh my god i'm not gonna get ready i have time to go to school then just think about it all day yep and thankfully that doesn't really hit me anymore like but at my last job like i would get that and that's where i would take pto if a new game was coming out <laughs> like yeah. i took pto i think when the maybe when the ps4 came out i know when the last gran turismo came out i did and then there's been a couple other in between. Such a pain in the ass, though, because I would take the time off, mm-hmm. fire up the game. Oh, downloading an 80 gigabyte patch. Yeah, so it just takes forever and like, ever. Literally 24 hours because everybody in the world is downloading at the same time. Yeah. So in the future, if you ever get in that situation, take the day after off. <laughs> like, okay, that's a good note. Yeah, do everything that you're going to do normal the day of. Get it, <laughs> throw it in the console, let it upgrade, let it do its patching and everything. You'll play it the next day because, oh, I've never been so pissed off than to waste basically a whole day just yeah. staring at a loading icon more uh, or less. Like, that sounds frustrating. The worst. But, <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, I, I just wanted to make sure, like, you're in a healthy place with it. Yeah. You're happy. You've yeah. got a plan. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's you're you're on I've got like it under control. Step eight of twelve. So no, you're <laughs> doing fine. <laughs> but I do. I love that that it is a struggle, and you're so vocal about it because it is. That's that's gaming life. Like yeah. Oh, because Horizon, I put over forty eight hours in already, and then shit, the Final Fantasy game before that, that was over a hundred, I think that went into that and it's like okay i hate how they tell you how many hours <clears throat> yeah i don't like that well and they added it to horizon it wasn't there before <sighs> it's like oh no i don't need like... to know 
Like, what is that proving for me? It's like, oh, look how much, here's a week of your life. Yeah. What right? do you think about that, that you've spent playing my game? Oh my it's like God. either a power thing, they want you to know, like, yeah, mm-hmm. I've got you. Or, uh, yeah, whatever it is, I don't want to know. I don't need to know how much time I've spent. Right. Just please. Please block that yeah. function. I want to be, what is it, the ignorance is bliss type it, of thing. Absolutely. When it comes to that, I just want to be ignorant of it. I want to have no idea what's going on. God. Well, that's that's the, the 30, 40 minutes that I was looking for. Okay. So I I know this this is part of like the growing pains of this and it's going to be so much fun to sweat through. Like I'm horrible with the intros and the 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 transitions and everything, mm-hmm. right? It's like <laughs> I feel like Chris Farley in that other skit where he would like interview people in the local access access show. <laughs> so, oh uh, yeah. <laughs> you, you remember when he did that thing, <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> remember, remember when you guys put out Abbey Road? Like, <laughs> like yeah. that's that's me. So thanks for stopping by. Yes. Um, continuing on this episode, I believe is going to be the Deadlock Interactive interview. Nice. These guys are local boys. Okay. They did a forty-eight hour game jam. So that's something that. Wait. This, so they played the game for forty-eight hours. They built. The game oh, in 48 whoa. hours. So, yes. Like 48 hour film fest, only you got to build a right. damn. A working concept of a game. So, that that's, that's the thing. It's not so far out of my wheelhouse right? of understanding how that happens. <laughs> I have no clue. Still Just me too. Awe. Like, I, I, I have no concept of like how game design really works. Yeah. That's kind of a goal with this too is to get in, learn some more about it, figure out mm-hmm. how to actually like speak intelligently about the facts like yeah of how whatever what goes into all this because it's crazy like the devotion and time that it takes to the, the commitment to do this kind of stuff i mean so in 48 hours yes it's not a final release ready anything it's you go from concept to playable demo basically as as fast as you can so wow. it's that's it's crazy. fascinating yes and it's great too because you can generate a real grand idea get something going and then hopefully that momentum carries into a full-fledged release i mean you could get that just from grinding like yeah it how many things like creatively if you just lock yourself in a room and do it will you get so much more success out of it than two years of kind of dabbling on the side tinkering around with it right you have to so it's it's a it's a cool little insight into how that kind of startup process works they both still have day jobs, so this is a hobby craft of theirs. They're working on getting more people involved, like hiring a an art director to get some kind of like style and storyline set up for it. Basically, what the game is as it stands is a VR tower defense game where you're oh. in a position and the enemies are cycling around you going through like a little maze to get to your core that you've got to try to defend. They've got Gravity grenades and explosive grenades, little booby traps in the stage. They built a VR game in 48 hours? Yes. Damn. So it's it's a pretty crazy story already, and they're not even close to done yet. Yeah. So wow. that's... Wow, that's, that's pretty impressive. Yes. So that's Sean and Garrett from Deadlock Interactive from here in Portland coming up right after this. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for coming by, Greg. Yeah, thank you. All right. Welcome back, everybody. This is Jason Chevron Chops with the Well-Adjusted Gamer Podcast. And today I am joined by Sean and Garrett from Deadlock Interactive. They are an independent developer out of a neighboring town here called Oregon City, right? No, we're in Portland. You are in Portland? Yeah. Okay. Where did I see Oregon City? Weren't you uh, previously 
listed there? No. No? I don't think so. No. Man. All right. <laughs> I'm getting my wires crossed already. Great. <laughs> um, but they are working on a VR title called Now. This is the big reveal today. Last Stand. Yep. So it. if you guys could take a couple seconds and describe just what Last Stand is. Um, yeah. So Last Stand is essentially kind of a, a fresh new take on the, the tower defense genre in a VR space mm -hmm. where we're putting the player in the shoes of defending the tower as opposed to like this top-down view that is traditional in most tower defense games. You're, you're taking the first-person perspective and you're actually in the game defending your tower from these attacking robots. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we've really liked the idea so far because it takes, I think, what is traditionally kind of a passive role from the player that top down organizing things and then sitting back and watching how it's playing out and putting you you know right down in it not just in a you know help out sense but it really hinges on player the player can actively being engaged to be able to get past the levels nice yeah like you said as opposed to just being kind of a, a pedestrian watching it all transpire yeah you set the pieces in motion but from there that's it. Like, it's all up to the AI and whatever the dice rolls in the background are. Right. Um, where did this start? Because I know, for me, it's a unique beginning coming from a game jam. Right. Well, you want to describe that process? Like, yeah. So, Portland Indie Game Squad, Pig Squad for short, is a local group here that they're a nonprofit that support and kind of put events together for local developers to get together, collaborate, um, conspire, and create games. Well, this was a 48-hour game jam. Yep. So basically 48 hours set aside, everybody get in a room and just hammer something out. Bring a concept or bring nothing, come up with something through conversation. And I don't know, did you guys know each other before? How did that kind of go come together? Yeah, uh, Sean and I both work together. And uh, we've actually done one game jam before. We did the Global Game Jam last year. Okay. And Sean is a big VR guy, and he had an Oculus Rift. So talking about what we we're going to do for the game jam, Sean was just like, let's do a VR game. And I, I was all, all about it. <laughs> I love trying new stuff and, yeah. and doing new stuff like that. So uh, we kind of just got together and pitched around ideas. And, and this idea came about pretty organically, but it definitely evolved even over the 48-hour time period. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, like, I've played the demo. Like, we, we did what, I think it was at the, the Game On. It was the first event that I ever attended, and you guys were there. Um, first impressions were, it is unique in my perspective. Like, I've not seen anything like it, especially when you start talking about the tower defense aspect of it, where, yeah, we've seen shooters, like, on rails or in place and you know, different variations on it, but this is definitely a unique take on it because if you go to that length and you start adding in all those different systems and, like, if you set up turrets, if you start putting in that AI-type-driven stuff, because right now it's you've got a couple of maps, right, and kind of placeholder art for everything, and just basically the, the AI bots run a route and you're in a single position. Beyond that, we're... I think we were talking, there's going to be multiple positions you move between and lots of different power-ups and weapons and et cetera. Like, what kind of directions are we going there? Any ideas yet? Um, 
Yeah, so we've been prototyping some ideas and just sort of working on different things. I have been playing some of, like, Orcs Must Die recently, mm -hmm. and I really like that style of being, um, like, in the mix, sort of fast-paced. You can, you can pick up these traps and place them in different locations even as the enemies are coming. I, I like that idea, that fast-paced, like, chaotic sense. Yeah. And I really want to bring that to our game, and I think it will be even more intense in a VR setting. So... We've just kind of been toying with stuff like that to see how we could best bring it in and, and um, how that's going to work. Awesome. Yeah, talking to one of my buddies about the game, like, first thing he threw at me was, well, where's the bow and arrow? Like, and, like, thinking, yeah, like, so what kind of, like, upgrades, like, weapons and different things? Because right now you've got a gravity grenade that sucks everybody into a certain spot. And that's one of the, the funnier things about it, too, is it sucks everything in. Every physical object that's running on, on physics in there will get sucked into it. So other grenades, other gravity grenades, which make interesting results, but yeah. kind of a nice little strategy that just naturally developed out of those two things existing. Mm -hmm. So a lot of emergent gameplay that will probably come up in the development of it. Right. But, yeah, were you considering anything like that? Projectile weapons? Not just explicitly guns, but, I mean, anything along those lines. I mean, shit. Get a javelin in there, like <laughs> something where it spears like three or four guys into a certain point and then explodes. I mean, yeah. the, the the world is like endless. I, that's probably a slippery slope though too. Is where do you draw the line? At, okay, what <laughs> what do we get to work on specifically as opposed to just dumping everything in and spending sixteen years on this game? But yeah. I don't know. Did you have anything along those lines that you were considering or? Yes. Yeah. We we've talked a bit about the different directions we could go with weapons. One of the things that we've uh, embraced a lot so far are weapons that really bring in kind of the physicality that you get with VR. So throwing was one of the most obvious. It's It has this kind of one-to-one -one relation of something that everybody does in real life. Mm -hmm. um, so you, we think players come into it immediately with kind of a sense of what to do. And uh, we'd like to start looking at other types of weapons. One of the things we found the most as we demo it to people is that playtesting has been really valuable for us as a way to figure out what works well and what doesn't yeah. in VR. So when we're sitting there developing it, we'll come up with a cool idea. And since we're kind of rapidly iterating a bunch, we get really comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. And we forget that it might not actually be very intuitive for people to use. True, yeah. So that's where things like demos have been really helpful. And I think we'll continue to be really helpful as we try out new things and we put someone in front of it and they have no idea what to do or yeah. it doesn't work <laughs> the way that they think it should. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think, going to be the main thing going forward that we explore with that. Yeah, I wonder if there's any kind of apprehension out there in the development scene, probably not with indies because everybody seems to be used to it, kind of in tune with it. But, like, I'm sure for bigger developers there is a little apprehension fear that, oh, we don't want to show it too soon because then people might think negatively of it possibly or might expose too much of, like, planned things that maybe nobody else is doing. But... You guys see the value in it. I mean, immediately, like you said, it's it's one to one feedback, and these are people that are interested in it. Exactly. It's, yeah, because the stuff that we've done that I've gone to so far, none of it feels like a trade show. These are other developers or people that will potentially buy and play your game. Mm -hmm. So it's it's nice that it's it's a real honest feedback. Like it's it, it, there's doesn't feel like there's anything else behind it. There's no kind of background motivations for any of it. So. 
Right. Yeah, that's definitely something we've tried to embrace is just letting people get their hands on our game mm -hmm. as much as possible. Even after the 48-hour game jam, we went and set our game up at the, the Art Institute and, and we're letting people demo and already getting feedback. Yeah. And so after that, I mean, the game really only got better, so it wasn't like we were afraid of what people would think to continue showing it. We were just like, yeah. hey, this is just a, a good way to, to figure out where we can improve and how we can make this game more fun. So. That's perfect. Now, um, one of the funny things, you're salty on Twitter, Garrett. Like, <laughs> Oh, no. Since I started following you, I was like, oh, yes, this guy. Like, we've got a lot in common on that regard. Um, one of the ones that cracked me up was your rant about crowdfunding. <laughs> yeah. Now, it, I mean, that's a big thing with indie development right yeah, now. Is, yeah. I mean, there's basically two, two or three ways you could go. You either self-publish and do everything yourself, pay for everything yourself. Hopefully, you've got the free capital to do so and the free time. Or you get basically fat checks from a publisher that likes what you're putting down and but you there's trade-offs with that like losing creative control and whatnot right and then there's the third option that i've seen so far with the crowdfunding that you maintain a lot more of that creative control sure. but now you're setting yourself up for a lot of other negative aspects that could possibly come with that and a lot of distractions i think is one of your bigger things too definitely so i mean if you want to <laughs> Reflesh that out. I don't know. Rip the yeah, rip the yeah. bandaid off. But sure. <laughs> so, um, I guess after just seeing a lot of crowdfunding campaigns kind of go up in flames, mm -hmm. um, even even after you do see some successful ones, I think the the huge issue with crowdfunding campaigns is that the consumers themselves don't really know what they're getting into. Yeah. Uh, they're not necessarily equipped to assess the risk that comes with developing a video game or designing it or how to assess the scope of a project even. Even if a developer does provide something like a demo that the user can download and play if they donate five bucks. Right. I mean, I can tell you how it, it's one thing to create a smoke and mirrors demo mm -hmm. than it is to actually create the fully featured game that you're pitching on Kickstarter with thousands of procedural generated <laughs> weapons and hundreds of hours of questing right. and stuff like that. So I think that for a lot of companies or for a lot of indie companies, they kind of see this as a way to just get money. And mm -hmm. they may have honest intentions like, oh, we're just going to get all this money and then we'll go back and create this sick product. But I think uh, even they themselves don't know what they're getting into. Yeah. And in the end, you have the indie developer that, that fizzles out. You have the consumer that's left empty-handed after giving up you know, however much money they did. And, yeah. and then, so it just kind of sets up the developer for failure. It just sets up the consumer for disappointment. So I think, and that's kind of a, a pattern we're starting to see in the crowdfunding community mm -hmm. is a lot more unsuccessful projects than successful projects. And I know they do have those projects that it's either the, the fully funded or you don't get any of the money. The money goes back to the, the donor, which I think is great. Yeah. But a lot of times these projects, because th they focus so much on the marketing aspect for the crowdfunding campaign, mm -hmm. they'll have the sick artwork and the sick <laughs> milestones, and so people yeah. are just like throwing money at it. Yeah. And so it's, it's reaching its point, and the developers are getting the money, but then they're like, okay, now we actually have to build a game, and it's just an entirely different story. Right, and then with the inexperience too, I mean, you've set these milestones and all these swag things that you're going to provide – those cost money too. Right. That's stuff that you still have to source as well. I mean, that's extra art assets. That's extra material that you have to sure. buy and shirts to print, posters to print. Like, that's a whole nother ball game. That's oh yeah, miles beyond developing and releasing a game. 
like you said, that's that's the main point of all this. And yeah, it's it's quickly lost. You know, on like Kickstarter or Indiegogo, you click a button, now you've made an investment. And yeah. often investments don't turn out. Right. Usually investments don't turn out. Right. Um, so I think people are hopefully kind of coming up to speed on that, but there's yeah. still so many disappointments. Definitely a learning curve to it for everybody, both sides, I mean, sure. consumer sure. And, and developer. Um, I know it's, it is, it's probably easier to think of the worst case scenarios because, I mean, there are, there's huge, big name titles like Mighty Number no. 9 right. that <laughs> never even lived up to the aspirations of the original kind of pitch. Yeah, the like, ongoing saga of, like, Star Citizen, for example. Oh, so, yeah, Star Citizen. At, at least what they've come out with so far is pretty amazing. Sure. But is there ever going to be a real game? Like, right, right. a finished product 30 years from now where kids are going to play? I mean, yeah. what, what are we talking about? They've been pushing back deadlines for so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and then one that I've had recent experience with still, No Man's Sky. Right. That was another one of those worst-case scenarios. Example. But still... At eighty percent release, I mean, there's there were promises and there was a lot of weird stuff when Sony got involved. It's like, oh yeah, oversold to an extent because I've still put one hundred and twenty hours into the game. Right. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's there's still definitely something there, and I know plenty of people that have enjoyed it. Sure. So yeah, it's it's kind of like a there's a lot of doom and gloom, but there is a lot of success out there too. But it is it's harder to see the successful ones, especially because they're probably the smaller ones. Right. Like, those are the two biggest, like, quote-unquote indie or kickstarted, like, crowdfunded games to come out. So it's easy to pick on them. But, right. But, yeah, I there was another one, some weird Steam Greenlight thing that everybody said was a complete fraud. <laughs> it's like somebody slapped together a bunch of free assets. Oh, yeah. And talked about what they were planning to do. Yeah. That's as far as it ever got. Like, they had this crappy little sandbox demo and disappeared. So, yeah, it's, it's, there's, there's all kinds of weird ways to go with that. Right. And that's the thing for me why I'm so skeptical of it is because mm-hmm. the average consumer just can't really assess things like that and no. see through it. Yeah. So right. they do see it and they think, oh, they have this much already. Mm-hmm. In no time, they'll have a full game. And that's just yeah. really not the case. No, not at all. Because, I mean, I can't even imagine... I mean, I know just from my little bit of dabbling with art and music, concept to reality, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's yeah. a wide canyon to try to get across. Um, in terms of gaming, let's talk about your kind of, I want to cover the timeline of birth to game developer. So what kind of a household were you born into? Like myself, we, I know my first video game memories were an Atari and my grandparents burning the Pong outline into their projector, that type of thing. So I've had it around me my whole life. I'm the only one in my family that actually stuck to it. So 30-plus years now of a gaming life that's gotten me to a certain point. Like, I've never considered development because it's kind of a an insurmountable thing in my imagination. And I'm, I may be creative, but I feel like not enough to kind of push something through like that, you know what I mean? But for you guys, like, how did you get into gaming? Were you born into it? Did you find it later on in life? Is it even something you still do now? I mean, it's possible to design games and not play them in a, in a way. I mean, as an artist or a music composer or something, there's, I'm sure. But for yourselves, what, what do we got? Yeah, so I started fairly early on with a classic NES. Mm-hmm. I, you know, way back to the early days, like, 
Duck Hunt and Mario oh, yeah. Brothers. Oh, yeah. And uh, I would go every week really excited to Fred Meyer and pick out a new <laughs> NES game. Um, awesome. Uh, and then eventually got to like the PS2 era. That is where I think it really kind of took off for me. I got yeah. genuinely interested, and I you know was subscribed to EGM and oh, would read cover to cover every month. <laughs> so I I was you know have been way into it for for a long time. And um, going into uh, programming as a profession, mm-hmm. that started to get me closer to that position where I could actually start to play around with game design. Got you. So day job became kind of the the route into it. So software development, what kind of, what were you doing? What, what was that door? Uh, so day to day, I'm a web developer. Okay. So I'm mostly doing kind of JavaScript stuff, which, which gets me familiar with just uh, kind of the core tenets of programming, which are pretty consistent language to language. So yeah, right. you start to move to more game development focused languages. Um, you know, you can draw from those skills. Nice. And Garrett? Yeah, um, for me, let's see, my, my first console was the Nintendo 64. Oh, man, and late to the party. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> uh, I had, you know, I had Super Mario 64, Mortal mm-hmm. Kombat, GoldenEye, the classics. Yes, absolutely. Stuff like that that I would play a lot as a kid. Yeah. Um, I actually, the TV was was kept in my sister's room, so I would have to, like, go into my sister's room. and On borrowed time. Yeah, yeah. just kind of get as much play time as I could. I would actually end up in there a lot just playing you know, Super Mario or, or whatever. Surrounded by My Little Pony? Or, right, yeah. basically. She had, like, all sorts of pink stuff in there, but I, I didn't care. Um, yeah, and then as I got older, let's see, my next console after that wasn't until the PlayStation 2. Okay. And then I got into stuff like The Sims. I remember being really into Midnight Club, mm, Game yeah. Speed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, stuff like that. Just just a very wide array of games. I, I played whatever I could get my hands on. The Lord of the Rings games. Oh, yeah, even those. Um, yeah, just everything I could find. And then for the, the pivotal point for me was for my 11th birthday, I got an Xbox and Halo 2. Oh, yeah. yeah. That'll do it. And that was when things just really... <laughs> Like really clicked for me, and I was really into games. Playing Halo Two with my friends every weekend, mm-hmm. uh, doing LAN parties, playing online because that was when Xbox Live was starting to take yep. off. Uh, and that's when I was like, "Man, I really love video games." And I kind of decided at that point that I, I wanted to create them too. Yeah, awesome. That was a little bit of inspiration. So yeah, like for me, I mean, a, a mix of both of those because yeah, I grew up with NES through everything and. PS2 was like a monumental shift in how games were made and experienced. I mean, that that's a defining generation for most everybody right now because that's that is that's that's when everything went to a completely next level. Yeah. I mean, we weren't even doing anywhere close to the same things that we were even with like Nintendo 64. There's there's no comparison. Um kids today though are I don't know. I feel like spoiled in a way. Definitely. But I don't know what the level of appreciation is yet for the classics. I mean, you can get a Wii or a Wii U, and you've got access now to the the store, whatever their marketplace is called, that you can get basically the entire, almost the entire lifespan of consoles out of one box. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've done it. I've got a little um, Raspberry Pi. Yeah. I bought one that somebody programmed for me because I just. I, <laughs> Again, I'm not a programmer. I wasn't going to try to dick around with all of that stuff, but it's got the RetroPie emulation station deal in there, and that thing will cover anything up to Nintendo 64 and PS1. Yeah. And it's just all solid memory, like 
it's crazy to me that we've come that far. The, yeah. the thing is, I don't know, the size of one of my phones, <laughs> and it's literally got every console loaded on it for all of history, <laughs> even arcade. Like, yeah. So, I mean, that I feel like growing up with that, how could you appreciate any of the old stuff? You'd fire up something like Mega Man and say, why? Yeah, what is this? What, what, <laughs> what were you thinking? Like, <laughs> did you scratch this into a cave wall? And, <laughs> so, yeah, just try to get that younger kind of frame of mind. Like, what is the next generation even going to go for? Have you seen any of that with, with the, the demonstrations you've done? Because there's definitely been a lot of kids coming through. And, I mean, VR is going to be huge for them. Imagine that. Yeah, I, I think it's all kind of relative, right? You know, mm-hmm. you your starting point is is whenever you were born, and there's still going to be insane progression from that point, you yeah. know, no matter when you start. And one of the things that was really cool as we've been demoing, as you mentioned, is, you know, there will be a huge range of ages that they come and try it. And more than anything, when the kids, like little kids, throw the VR headset on, they're like instantly in their element. Yeah. There is no confusion. There's no <laughs> what does this button do? They're just in it. Right. You know, I and it's I think that's really cool that we're gonna have this generation of people who that's their starting point True. is you know, being able to dive right into what to most people is this crazy new paradigm. And for them you just kinda that's taken for granted. Right. And I think that means the things that they're gonna think of to do with it are gonna be pretty insane to see. Yeah, because I mean we could think of, like for for myself, pixel art is huge, and it's funny how it's never gone away, and we've mm-hmm. got this huge resurgence now. Yep. Especially with indie games, like right. it, it's going to be VR in the future. So VR is going to be the new classic console. <laughs> like, I guess when we're all, everybody's got their surrogate, like yeah. and they crawl into their cocoon <laughs> at home, and like I don't know, like just. It's crazy the possibilities of yeah, it. Yeah, that's but. pretty wild to think about it. At some point, VR is going to be the retro. Right. That, yeah, that's one of the things that makes it most exciting for me is that there aren't a lot of uh, kind of times where you can jump in when something is just starting. Like you're mentioning Atari and NES and kind of that um, stage of development for consoles. Mm-hmm. Like as impressive as VR seems to us right now with like the first version of the of the Oculus Rift and the Vive, um, that is going to be NES Atari level not that far from now. Right. And that's one of the things that that gets me really excited about VR is we're here at the beginning, and as cool as it is right now, this is going to look ridiculous not that long from now. Yeah, yeah. We're going to feel like idiots forever (laughs) slapping this thing on our face. Yeah. Because soon, at some point, it's just going to be literally glasses. Yeah. That you just slap on, like, the Google Google Glass, and that'll do it all. Um, how do you feel? Actually, that brings up a, a good thing. How do you feel about the AR versus VR? So, like Hololens and what they're doing versus straight up VR full immersion. The, the applications to gaming have been out there, but it, I really don't feel like there's as much momentum behind it because, to me, it's limited. Yeah. Well, yeah. I I think that AR is really interesting, and there are people who argue that AR is the logical conclusion to, mm-hmm. to VR um, because you can say, you know, with good enough hardware, you can do everything that VR is going to with yeah. AR. But the thing is, it's we're not really that close to where we need to be for AR to be really compelling. Mm-hmm. The HoloLens is really cool. Yeah. Uh, just putting it on and seeing kind of the spark of what AR 
is going to be and can be yeah is is really neat but it's it's very limited and it, it's much less engaging than something like a rift or a vive is right yeah, now or at even this PSVR. point at least. um i thought one of them the vive or the rift had pass through was yes, that the vive has a camera okay pass through because i mean there's your perfect combination right there right and i mean it makes it so much easier now you don't even have to have a screen that does an overlay of graphics right no it just literally is built in to i mean the already the video feed that's coming into it but again it probably comes down to hardware how much they could really push doing something like that but Definitely. i haven't really looked into see if anybody's really tackling that yet and i don't think anybody has done really anything compelling with the vive pass through camera which is yeah. kind of interesting yeah it seems kind of like logical at least to have some kind of i could see it as a feature more than probably like a full-fledged title maybe because right. i mean to me that's that's the worst thing. I've got the PSVR, and when you're like reaching for something, like I go, I try to adjust the camera, and I'm just like reaching like an idiot. And it's great too because I'll do it on the little setup screen, so it's got the camera like footage, like you're seeing yourself basically, and nice. just reaching up like an idiot, like <laughs> just like, That's it's great. hilarious. But um, yeah, with the the Hololens, one of the things that got me excited about that was like Minecraft. The Minecraft demo they showed, mm -hmm. yeah, here's a table and all the blocks are just there, but it was just a little square and you had to still like move. It looked like Civilization. Yeah. Like, I don't know, Civ 1, like back in the old days where it's literally just a square that moves around on an invisible map that you can't see. Like, no, like I need to see everything. You yeah. have to have that, that grand picture of it. So right. that, that was my first thing with this, just the viewing angle, just that limitation where VR, again, full immersion, you're in this world. But one of my big things that I think we might have talked about before, but it's up and coming is basically, I, I don't even know what you would call it, but doing VR with basically a, a remote setup, like a backpack laptop and everything's one piece ready to go. Here's a warehouse. Here's it's remapped on your point of view. Mm -hmm. You could be anywhere. You could be doing anything. I mean, yes. that to me is, and I know people are out there doing it, but it's, God, if I had the money, I swear to God, like, if I had the, the couple of million dollars it would probably take to do it, that would be my number one thing right now. Yeah. I would lease a warehouse, and we would go out there, because you could do go-karts. I was thinking about that the other day. Freaking Mario, <laughs> Mario Kart, Kart for yeah, real. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, and they, uh, Garrett and I have talked only half-jokingly about making a trip out to Utah, which is the closest place to us uh, mm -hmm. that's doing warehouse-scale VR. Okay, yeah, see? So they are out there. Yeah. I watched the trailer for that place, actually, <clears throat> mm -hmm. and the trailer is super epic. It shows, like, fighting dragons and slaying aliens <laughs> and stuff like that. But then um, right now I think the only experience they have is, like, a Ghostbusters VR experience. Okay. Which still looks pr pretty sick. Yeah. But they're a long way from getting... Uh, to where they want to be with all these crazy VR experiences. But, yeah, I'm excited to see where stuff like that goes. Yeah, absolutely. I, th I think they have the location in, in Utah, mm -hmm. London, and, like, Dubai or something. It's Man. super random for Utah, but that's right. where it started. So Yeah, that's crazy. Um, but, yeah, like, I just – as soon as I talk about it, I start just rambling because my brain starts going 100 miles an hour. <laughs> what do you think about it? Just the potential of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, I mean – with everything else that's already out there too, like the force feedback vests, I mean, right? There's right. Battlefield, there's Call of Duty, there's the future of paintballing. Yeah, I mean, all of it is is already there. It's just kind of combining all these disparate things that kind of have nothing to do with each other. 
and then the investment part of it too. Like I said, give me a couple million dollars and I could make it happen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else did we have? What kind of inspired you guys to make video games? Like you said, you 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 felt the inspiration. It, it was exciting to you. What exactly was it? Was it just having the idea and seeing nobody else was doing it? And I mean, for me, like anger motivates everything for me. When I look at something that's been done, like for voice acting, and yeah, it's it's part of me being a terrible person. But when I hear bad voice acting in a finished product, it completely just grinds my gears. It drives me crazy because. You literally paid that person, hopefully paid that person, but it's probably like a friend or a cousin or something. Hey, come down here and record something for us. But that's the kind of thing that motivates me. It's like, I know I could do better than that. And if that guy was able to do it and get paid and it's in a finished product, like, what the hell's the holdup? Like, where's my piece? Like, I'm I'm in. Let's do this. So I I don't know what for you guys kind of gasses up the car, but... Um, for me, let's see. Yeah, I, I kind of always wanted to make video games, even like basically from the time I was like 11, 12 years old. And um, what really inspires me is, is just playing video games. Yeah. Every time, uh, just having a good time with my friends. Most of the games I play are multiplayer. Mm-hmm. And just every time I'm, I'm having just a really fun time playing Grand Theft Auto or Halo <laughs> or Left 4 Dead, anything, it makes me want to create something that could bring that experience that I was raised having, there it makes me want to create something that, that will bring that experience to other people. Nice. Um, yeah. Yeah, and for me, I echo a bit what, what Garrett said. It's, you know, since I was a kid, gaming was this kind of magical thing to me. Like, it was, it just felt like so mysterious. I don't <laughs> even know how this thing was created, but now it's here and it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, uh, the other part, is that uh, I followed VR for a long time since the Rift, uh, the DK1, the first developer kit mm-hmm. was out, and I picked up uh, the second developer kit. Nice. And then got the the consumer version when it came out. And mm-hmm. this whole time, I've just uh, known that I needed to be involved somehow. Um, <laughs> you just feel it. Some aspect of this, I I care about it so much. I need to be in there. And this was a um, a really cool entry point, especially to be able to do with a friend. And yeah. Start to create things that, that you're proud of. That's awesome. Um, with the events, have you kind of met or come up with anything after meeting and seeing what everybody else is working on? Is there Because I know you guys are still looking for an art director, right? Yeah. Because that's one of the, the hurdles right now is just developing assets and getting your, your style set for the game. Definitely. That definitely. kind of thing. But, I mean, have any of those kind of connections been made yet? Do you feel like there's potential still with that? Um, we've we've met some people, done some networking. You mm-hmm. know, the, the Portland indie game community is so awesome, and there's a lot of people involved, and everyone is, is down to help and stuff like that. Uh, nothing solid yet. Mm-hmm. We're still trying to find someone who, who we feel like is a really good fit for our team and can really take this game in an artistic direction. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we're just going to – we're pretty confident that we can just keep attending these meetups, meeting people, and eventually we, we will find someone that can – Awesome. Well, role. maybe when this podcast is out there, somebody's going to hear and be like, holy shit. That would be like, great. Yeah. That's what I've been waiting for. <laughs> I'm in Beaverton. Let's do this. <laughs> that'd be uh, perfect. That would be awesome. Um, what were – like with, with this development, 
and doing it on your own, starting with the the game jam, like what were some of the biggest successes that you've had in development, and what were the kind of like the the biggest setbacks too? What what kind of things would you say, <clears throat> like things that you didn't expect, things that you would un- want other people to know about going into this, good or bad type of thing? As far as good things go, just the ease of rapid prototyping that the Unreal Engine gives you. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting with their Blueprint VR template, it was just incredibly easy for us to get up and running with the rough prototype of our game. Okay. Like we said, we did it in 48 hours, and a, and a lot of it was because we started with some basic interactions in place where you could pick things up in VR, mm-hmm. and you had the hands that were animated and all this stuff that just sort of came out of the box. So that's one thing that I, th- I think really surprised us with like how easy it was to really get up and running. Nice. Which, I mean, that's part of the, the growth of the industry because, yeah, imagine two years ago, three years ago, that probably was non-existent. Or oh, definitely. Even just a year down. ago. It yeah. was a lot harder. We, we made a, a VR game for the previous Game Jam, yeah. and we spent uh, you know kind of a, a lot more time than we had to with this one to get it to a point where we could start actually making the game as opposed mm. to focusing on the VR stuff. Where did that one end up? In the trash. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> what what like, was the concept on most it? most of my games. Oh, um, gee. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> yeah, art, that's the right? Way it works, that's that's yeah. being creative, yeah. The concept of that game was actually kind of funny. Um, basically, you the theme for that year was rituals. Mm-hmm. And so the idea was that you had to find these things in the environment to occupy this creature that was following you around for a given period of time, and that sort of developed into a ritual. Mm-hmm. But we didn't have any art for it, so the creature was just a pill in Unity that followed you around. Oh, jeez. And it, <laughs> it would literally just bust through boxes that we had set up, and it was absolutely terrifying. <laughs> it was so that's the main reason we wanted to do it, just because how hilarious it yeah. was. <laughs> and so that was also, that was on the Rift DK2, so that, mm-hmm. there were no hand controls back then. Oh, and yeah. one of the things we found is that it's still very cool, and it's still very immersive. Mm-hmm. Um but having you know having your hands kind of tethered to a controller in front of you and not represented in VR, we found right. was a lot less engaging yeah. than where we're at now, where you can have kind of full mobility in VR. So that's I think another one of the reasons that that idea didn't stick quite as much. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I definitely from being able to demo the different things and going back to my PSVR, really the only thing I've gone back to consistently is driving. Because I built, like, a, a racing seat setup and everything with nice. the wheel and all. So when I jump into Dirt Rally, they did they patched in VR, oh, and nice. it's the greatest thing ever. Dirt Rally's excellent. That's yeah. awesome. It's, it's awesome. Um, uh, well, I, one other kind of unexpected win, speaking of that, mm-hmm. uh, has been how awesome the indie community has been. Like, we mentioned yeah. it before here in Portland, but um, one of the things that I don't think either of us was really expecting is the... Um, number of opportunities that have come up just from us trying to say yes as frequently as possible. <laughs> yeah. That's how we've gotten into a lot of these demo scenarios yeah. that have ended up kind of shaping the game. Nice. Yeah, we're joking about how we've basically like stumbled our way up the ladder mm-hmm. by being like, yeah, sure, we'll do that right. every time. <laughs> no, there is there is something to being the yes man. Yeah. I mean, it's like the Jim Carrey movie. What, was it Jim Carrey? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Jim Carrey or um, what's his face from The Office? <laughs> Steve Carell. It was Jim Carrey. It was Jim Carrey? Yeah. Okay. But yeah, it is. It, 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 I don't know what it does. Obviously, it does something universally, but I think it does. It's, it's like an old lesson I learned um, just in customer service is when you talk to somebody on the phone, talk with a smile, 
and it literally changes every word that comes out of your mouth. <laughs> like you can't talk like a complete jerk or like you don't care if you're smiling. Like right. it's it's this weird thing. It's like a mental connection. So it's kind of the same thing. If you if you come out with that mindset of I'm just gonna say yes to stuff. Yeah. And that's kind of what I started doing too, moving up here and starting all this stuff. It's like just yeah. Like, hey, you wanna go yes. Yeah. Hey, there's mm-hmm. a thing going on. Yes. Like, <laughs> why not? I right. mean, especially if there's no investment, nothing to lose. Like all the pig squad stuff that I've done so far is free. Right. So I mean it's it's great. And it now I I do feel like contributing to it because I do want to see, I mean, all of it grow. And that's a good way to do it. They they have their Patreon or whatever, so people can kick down yeah. and keep events like this happening and more often and they keep growing just exponentially. That game on that we went to just two months ago or so, mm-hmm. two or three months ago, that had uh, 50, 60 people maybe. Right. And now last night they had the drink and draw with over 300 people. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just in a matter of months, let alone the course of a year, because last year they had a drink and draw as well. So, I mean, God, imagine what next year is going to be. And now right. with Betacon happening, that that was obviously a success, and that's only going to grow. Definitely. <clears throat> that was a little weird, though, because <laughs> Easter weekend, probably right. probably a bad time. Really just get that better. Yeah, could have got screwed on Sunday, but Saturday was massive. That was, yeah. that was crazy. Yeah. And definitely a, a lot of attention for it, because I've heard, I've seen a few different podcasts, a bunch of different websites, a bunch of news articles. It's, it's big. So... You guys to be a part of that, that's an awesome step. And like you said, just comes from saying yes. Right. Yeah, that was great to be a part of, just to go out to Betacon and be able to, to show a lot of people. I think we, we went through over, we have those face masks for when people demo our game to right. keep it clean. We went through over like 120 of those. Man, so, that's awesome. Yeah, because yeah, I, I remember when I checked in with you, you'd done like 40. Yeah. So <laughs> that's awesome. That was pretty of an, an exhausting thing, too. Mm-hmm. That was definitely a, a marathon yeah, more than a sprint. Sure was. Great. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that's another thing with all of this too is again like I the topic kind of hit on is lessons learned. There's always something to learn and grow from with all of this like the, all the development, the different conversations you have, the different events you go to like like Betacon. I'm sure they learned a ton from running that the first time and everybody that had their booths and demoed stuff, they've got lessons now. Um, one of the other guys that's got a a local game, um, that Crescent Loom, it's one thing, thing that cracks me up is everybody gets feedback. Everybody's taking notes, mental notes. Whatever. He has a notebook that's literally like 50 pages full, like a full college bind, like <laughs> notebook, just full of notes. Like That's awesome. Yeah, that's it's great. insane. And it's all just from this, just yeah. from coming out and doing these live events. So, I mean, if, great. if anybody else is out there and you're looking for a way to, to, to get out there, get exposed and kind of see, I don't know, where everything is going, what everybody else is working on, and get good, honest feedback. This is it, doing these live events. Definitely. Hopefully there's groups where everybody else is, because I know this happens in little pockets. It's got to be all across the country. Nothing like this where I'm from, but I was in the armpit of California, where there's (laughs) nothing, period. It's either almonds or, yeah, that's it. Just almonds down there. Just almonds now. It used to be a lot more Dairyland and stuff, but <laughs> you'd have to go to San Francisco. It was like two hours away to get near right. anything. And I don't know what kind of a scene there is down there. I'm sure it's huge because it's a tech center. Just like Seattle, I think, has a, a growing one. There's a couple of people from Seattle last night at the Drink and Draw. Yeah. And I know they've come down for other things as well. That was um, 
one of the podcasts that came through Betacon too was from up in Seattle. So, okay. so that's that's an interesting thing too because it's about three hours. Yeah. To get up there, so I mean it's it's not nothing, right. but it's still worth the trip, obviously. Definitely. So, and either way, I mean we love going up there for the weekends, but <laughs> <laughs> hopefully someday business takes me there too, right? Yeah. Yeah. But no, it's it's exciting, and it is it's we're in a a great place for all of this stuff. I mean. Weather-wise, access-wise, right. and now with all the the money coming in, I think anybody that's looking for um, publishers and stuff and investors, it's probably a good time for that, too. Definitely. So, I mean, hopefully when you guys get to that stage, if you ever do or if you even consider it, at least there's going to be opportunity for it as well. You right. don't have to fly out to some other bigger city somewhere. Right. It's all going to come here, hopefully, but time will tell. As for now, it's it's crazy. So like I said, it's growing exponentially day by day, minute by minute. And more and more people, like you said, when the tool sets get easier, more access, it's just going to keep growing and growing. And these kids that are playing it now are going to be the future developers. Right. Because that's what I keep thinking of, too, of classic gaming. You can get basically anything on your phone now. We're at to that, yeah. to that point. There's emulators for everything. I was thinking those kids someday will have VR on their phones. Like, no. You literally already have VR on your phone. Like you've got the Samsung gear and stuff. Already like, a thing, yeah, yeah, it's already out there. Like we're we're not wasting time on this one. This is going to be crazy. Um, have you guys considered any other development besides VR games? Did you just kind of lock into that? Like you said, um, Sean, you're like completely sold on VR and want everything to be a part of it. Was there any other kind of midway things that you guys did? Like uh, like I said, two D two D sprite art type stuff. Like that's that's easy to get into. There's a lot of that out there. But I mean, were there any other directions that you've thought of in the past or future where you might want to take it? Yeah, um, for this game and for the foreseeable future, we're, we'll probably be sticking with VR. Mm-hmm. We both really love it, and the VR industry is growing to a point where it's really about to reach its critical mass, and we want to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. But I've always been interested in, in making first-person shooters. Okay. And so those, that was the, the type of games that I made before I started working on uh, this game. Uh, most of the stuff I prototyped was VR. Okay. I mean, most of the stuff I prototyped was first-person first yeah. before I started making VR. I had also done some top-down stuff and some, some prototyping of, of, like, perspective switching between the top-down and first-person perspective. Oh, yeah. So I like to try interesting things like that. And I'm sure at some point, I mean, I'm, I'm always working on something, so at some point I'll probably work on something that's not VR. But we, I mean, I really love working on VR stuff. It's like yeah. really exciting to work on a feature and then put the headset on and, and get in there and like really try it out. Yeah, so, I could see that because, I mean, you literally build something and hop in and actually funnel it, mess it around like, it's yeah. it's there. That's yeah. Exactly. Because I'm I'm big on that too. That's probably one of the holdups for me, <clears throat> for ever like thinking about game development is, I'm stuck in the the physical world when it comes to my creative energies. Like I love making something and yeah. having it. Like I made those like a couple years ago for <laughs> for Sarah and Greg. Like nice. little bobblehead things that I sculpted. But it's that type of thing that I get the most satisfaction out of. So for you guys, it's virtual now. Right. But it's the same thing. Yeah. It's tangible in air quotes. Like it's it's still real in a way. So I, I totally get that. Um, what else are you kind of looking for in long term with the game? Because like we said, looking for an art director. 
So once you get that in place, what are kind of like the next steps? What what's your your roadmap basically of development? Because you're gonna start looking at, I mean, basically like the sto- the story of the world. What kind of ideas did you have for that? What direction were you thinking of taking it? Anything along those lines? Yeah, you would. Um, I right now some of the main things that we're working on are mechanics based mm-hmm. like working on the minute to minute gameplay loop of the game making sure that we find a formula that is fun enough to justify building all the rest of the stuff around it like we need to have a really good core mm-hmm. that is fun to play even at this state you know before we want to dedicate all the time to start polishing up the rest Um, So we're playing around with, kind of like we talked about before, different weapon styles, different kind of locomotion styles Mm -hmm. for moving around versus being fixed in one spot or in a few spots around the level. Um, We have an example of a trap in the the one that you uh, played. Mm -hmm. The springboard? Yeah, hit a button and it'll spring them across the level. Uh, We're working on a few other kind of versions uh, of traps and... After that, that's when it would be really fun to start to look at, all right, uh, are we going to have a single setting? Are we going to have multiple different types of settings? Mm-hmm. And what's the cohesive story that's going to tie all of it together? Yeah, because well, like we've talked about before, the, the, the mechanics itself like fit almost anything. I mm-hmm. mean, you could slap any kind of different genre or art style on top of it, and it right. works. It's exciting. Like, it's definitely, I, I mean... One of the ones, that the first ones, is like medieval times type thing, but I mean, shit, you could make a damn Star Wars game out of it. Like, there's so much potential to just the the core like foundation that you guys have already. So it is. It's going to be exciting to see where it goes and what you come up with. And I mean, hopefully, we get that art director sooner than later, so right. you can get moving on it. But yeah, um, it's only been what a few months, right, since the game's even even came into existence. Yeah, like three months, actually, just over three months, I right. think. <laughs> Which is insane. Yeah. Like, again, being being an outsider looking in, because, I mean, I am, I'm a gamer, but I have no kind of um, knowledge of development itself, like the process and everything. But to hear something like that and to see a full, basically a full working demo came from a 48-hour game jam and in three months of work, and now it's just polish, 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 polish to right. get it to where you want it, where you're comfortable with it, but it's already there. It's playable. It's fun. And everybody that picks it up is is right in line with that. It's literally like you could sell some part of this today. Like yeah. <laughs> So down the road, it's going to be really exciting to see where it ends up, how far you guys right. can take it. So definitely. Definitely looking forward to that. Um, what else do we have? Let's see. Got, 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 got. So any other kind of recommendations for anybody that's considering getting into it again like you said be a yes man mm-hmm. chase chase your passion when you feel like you're passionate about something get into it do it because that's that's definitely the vibe i've got from you guys um career wise one of my biggest struggles in life is having a day job that's completely unrelated and it's such a pain in the ass to have to go there and do something that's just sure not interesting at all is it I mean, getting into tech fields, how complicated would it be for somebody to run out and do? Is there, like for the kids that are in school still and potential to go to college or tech schools, like what what kind of recommendations do you have for just in general, anybody looking to get into it? Yeah, um, there's a million different routes. And this is something that I'm pretty passionate about just speaking on because a lot of people will 
tell you, you you need to have a bachelor's degree, you need to uh, go to school for computer science oh, or yeah. 3D modeling or, or all this stuff. And mm-hmm. I think that those are like great. You can definitely do that, and that's a, that's a good way to do it. Mm-hmm. But also, I think what's going to be most important is finding a skill that you enjoy doing, whether it's programming, modeling, visual effects, and doing that, doing it a lot, getting really good at it, creating work and a resume that you can show to people. Like I modeled this sick thing or I wrote this little platform or whatever whatever it is. I yeah. built this app. And then just going out and networking and meeting people, that's, that's how you're going to end up with a job. That's how I ended up with my job currently. I actually uh, got hired by going to the Game Developers Conference, even though my, my job isn't my full-time job isn't even in game development. It's web mm-hmm. development. But I, I got the job going to the Game Developers Conference. Man. So it's it's basically um, – yeah, I, I don't have a bachelor's degree. I went to a technical school for mm-hmm. video game programming. Okay. And um, it, it was really just a matter of networking and being in the right place at the right time. And that's what I think it really comes down to. Awesome. And yourself? Yeah, I would, I would uh, kind of echo that, especially in the tech side of things. Mm-hmm. Like – being in a tech-related, especially programming-related kind of position, that's one of the things that is really cool about this profession is that you don't... Like, you can learn some important skills from going to school for it, but even if you uh, want to pursue something else or you're already out of school but want to get into it, the Internet wants to teach (laughs) you this for free. If you go out and put the effort in, there's so many resources out there now for... Even just free ones. You can pay a little bit of money and get some great ones mm-hmm. or just put the effort in and follow, you know, tutorials on uh, the Unreal site or, you know, any one of the huge amount of great blogs for development. Yeah, and Unity stuff, too, that's out there. Mm-hmm. Unity's huge, I know, especially for pre-built stuff. Yeah. That's that's where you get, like, a real box of toys. And, I mean, Definitely. there's a whole side market just for building stuff. And there's another door right there. Like you said, 3D modeling, here you go. Just build shit in Unity. Yeah. Like, all day long. Just build props. Build little pieces, bits and bobs, and, I mean, get up to maps if you're if yeah. that's your passion. I mean, imagine, like, a dungeon master somewhere out there. Guarantee, if they knew, they could be building ma- level maps for people, like, oh, yeah, yeah. all day. Mm-hmm. So Just no. start doing it. Yeah. That's, that's the biggest thing. That's the one that always comes out is just do it. Yeah. Like, whatever you're into, just do it. Like you said, you've got dozens of games, potentially, that have just hit the trash, yeah. but... Still, just do it. Flex your muscles. Do the exercises. That's that's how everything works in life. But it is. It's just doing it and getting out there, saying yes, getting in the right places. I mean, do go to the conventions, whatever you have near you that you can get to. Yep. It's always worth going for nothing more than just the exposure, just to see it, just to see what's going on. But yeah. like you said, there's the networking opportunities. There's potential career opportunities just from going and that's that's me. That's I'm out there spamming my cards for the, pa- the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's the only way it is. It's right. it's the hustle. So, yeah. And then like once you do it, go out and show it to people. And this has been something that we're that we've been experiencing recently is then listen to them mm-hmm. when they have feedback because there have been already a few things about the game where you know we thought this was a cool aspect or we thought it was a pretty fun one. Yeah. And then we put it in the hands of people, and it doesn't turn out how we thought it would. And oh. it can be really tough to then say. Oh, okay. Well, I, I guess that isn't as good as we yeah. thought it was. Nice. Um, but because yeah. that that for everything I've done, the hardest thing to really honestly get is honest negative feedback. Yeah. That is the one thing everybody's so afraid of hurting your feelings that nobody wants to say anything bad about anything. <laughs> That's what you need, though. Yeah. Yeah. Like if definitely. everybody says it's great, it's great. Well, then it doesn't sell. 
I guess it wasn't great. Yeah. And nobody told me. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's definitely a thing, too, is, I mean, that's a hard one because you, you can't influence that. Right. You can't change that. If somebody's feeling that way, that's it. You're not going to get it. I think from your experience, do you see a lot more of that from kids? Are they the honest ones that'll just rip you apart versus an adult or somebody that's... <laughs> that definitely will happen. But yeah. also, I think since VR is so new and, and a lot of the people who play our game are playing or experiencing VR for the first time, it's easy to see if it's something that they're struggling with. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a lot more difficult for them to struggle with something and then like try to say something nice not to hurt our feelings. It, it's kind of easier to see, okay, w- we need to fix this. We need to make this interaction better. Got you. Yeah, like something just you see it not working. And right. It's not even a verbal communication. It's just, you just watch them and you're like, okay, we need to do something about yeah. that. That's that's a big thing about these kind of conventions and bringing shows or show and tells, whatever you want to call it, right. is, is that. It's shoulder watching. It's just throw them in and see what happens. Yeah. And yeah, that's that's true. I've seen that with, with all the different games is everybody's right there just sweating and rubbing their hands, watching, staring as everybody's playing it and then... Oh shit! That's not supposed to happen. That's, yeah. Oh no, that not that one again. Oh god, it, like, <laughs> it's the best. It's it is. It's it's the best free entertainment. Just watching yeah. everybody. It can be out. really tough when you watch somebody do the wrong thing like four times in a row. Yeah. And eventually, you just think like, we probably shouldn't let that happen. Right. Instead of just sitting back and wishing they were doing something different. True. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's another piece of advice right there too is being open and receptive to that stuff. Definitely. Like you could have spent 15 hours adding this one little thing and it turns out to be crap. You got to be able to cut bait. You got to yep. be able to just as roll painful it back. as it is. Yeah. Because yep. it is. It's your baby at, at this point. So. Right. <laughs> and yeah, how do you do that? It's like picking your favorite kid, you know? Like, well, which one are you going to leave at school this time? Like, (laughs) only one can come home. Which one's it going to be, Billy or Sammy? Ah, That's awesome, though. Well, great, guys. Um, Drop some of your information, Twitter, Facebook, website, all that stuff. Yeah, so our Twitter is just at Deadlock Games. Our Facebook is facebook.com slash deadlock.interactive. Our website is just deadlockinteractive.com. And, uh, yeah, from there you can find our, you can email us, message us, tweet us, do all that good stuff. We're more than happy to respond and talk to everyone. Yeah. Awesome. And yeah, keep an eye out for last stand. Yep. Um, any plans? I mean, it's going to be strictly PC for now. Right. If and when it does release. And I mean, we're way ahead in terms of when a release will yeah. come. I mean, we could be months or years. Yeah. Right. But hopefully months. <laughs> yeah. But get in, get invested now. Check it out. Come out to some of the events. You guys are going to be at probably everything from now until release and then even after. Yeah, we try to be a part of stuff, keep our head and around and see what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for coming in, guys. Hey, yeah, thanks sure. so much thanks. for having us. Yeah, so awesome. much for having us, man. Not a problem. We'll talk again soon. Cool.